would ask you to turn with me this morning to 1 Timothy chapter 2. I want us to read verses 13, 14, and 15 at the end of this chapter. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 13, 14, and 15. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. I want us to look this morning at 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. And before we begin to uh, think about this verse, let me tell you that from as early as 1868, right after the Civil War, the idea of Mother's Day has been connected with various movements and groups and has been celebrated at different times and in different ways in local communities. In the early 1900s, the call to establish a national Uh, a national holiday uh, picked up momentum and in 1910 the state of West Virginia declared Mother's Day to be an official holiday and every other state very quickly followed suit and you know when the first one does something like that everyone excuse me everyone has uh, to do it on May the 10th 1913 the U.S. House of Representatives passed a resolution calling on all federal government officials from the president down to wear a white carnation the following day in observance of Mother's Day. On May the 8th, 1914, the U.S. Congress passed a law designating the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day and requesting a proclamation. The next day, President Woodrow Wilson issued a proclamation declaring the first National Mother's Day. So May 9, 1914, was the first National Mother's Day. And that would make today, May 11, 2014, the 100th anniversary of the National Observance of Mother's Day. And so I guess this is kind of a a special Mother's Day. Mother's Day is 100 Uh, years old today. Now I want us to look this morning at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 15. Our text is one of the most difficult verses in the New Testament. It is on most every list of hard to understand passages. What does it mean when it says she will be saved through childbearing? What kind of connection can there be between salvation and the bearing or the birthing of a child? And then there is the interesting switch from she in the first part of the verse to they in the last part of the verse. She will be saved if they continue. Many possible interpretations have been given. This morning I'm going to mention briefly to you a few of the main ones. But one thing is certain, whatever this verse means, it is certainly about mothers. That much is clear. And I thought that since this was Mother's Day and the 100th anniversary of it, that this might be a good opportunity to look at this somewhat obscure and difficult verse. 
and for us to look at it and see if there's anything helpful for us that we can know from this particular passage of Scripture. And let me add right here at the beginning. If you're a single woman or a married woman with no children or a man or a child, the principle that we see in this verse is applicable to you as well. And so don't just tune me out as we look at this verse together this morning that is obviously about childbearing and mothers. What does this text mean? Yet she will be saved through childbearing. A number of explanations have been suggested. Some have said that a woman is spiritually saved by giving birth to a child. The scriptures are so decisively clear that salvation is by faith apart from works that this is a view that does not even warrant any of our serious consideration. Many ungodly and unbelieving women have become mothers, and they continue to be ungodly and unbelieving. And the birth of a child has no effect on their spiritual condition and certainly does not bring them into the kingdom of God. And so that exclamation, I think, can be dismissed out of hand. Some have understood these words to mean that women will be preserved during the birth process. Salvation is understood to be deliverance from the physical danger of childbirth. It will be painful, but they will be delivered safely through it. But it is not at all clear that faith and love and holiness will guarantee a better birth experience for a Christian mother than that which will be experienced by an unbelieving mother. The fact of the matter is that even now in this medically advanced world that we live in, in third world countries, in about one of every 100 childbirth, it ends with the death of the mother. Even here in the United States with our modern facilities and all of our resources, the rate is still about one death in every 6,000 births. And I would suggest to you that Christian women are not exempt from this danger. And this cannot be the meaning of our verse. Now, an explanation that I think gets closer to the truth of what Paul is saying here in 1 Timothy 2.15 is the view that this, that this birth that's referred to here in our verse is the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Eve, who was deceived and was a transgressor in the preceding verse, verse 14, will be saved through the birth of the Messiah when he comes into the world, the promised seed of Genesis 3.15. And they, the Ephesian mothers, will also be saved by Christ if they believe and continue. This is an interesting interpretation because verses 13 and 14, which talk about the creation and the fall, take us back to Genesis 2 and 3, where the promise of the future seed of the woman is made, a seed that in the course of time will come into the world through the means of childbearing. And so many see 1 Timothy 2.15 as a reference to the birth of Christ. And all the things that are taught in this view are certainly true, but I think there's a better way for us to understand this verse. So let's, let's look at it and consider it together. At the heart of our salvation 
is the doctrine of sanctification and the perseverance of the saints. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says this, And because of him, that is God, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. We are justified and made righteous by Christ. This verse says, He became to us righteousness. This is an aspect of our salvation that is accomplished and is in our past as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are redeemed and we're set free by Christ. Our verse says, He became to us redemption. And this is also something that is in our past Christian experience. But there is the present aspect of our salvation. We are saved and we are being saved. We are being saved through sanctification and through perseverance in the faith. Our verse says, He became to us sanctification. Now, Pastor Justin has just in the last few weeks been teaching from Romans 8.28. That verse says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Foreknew and predestined, those are things that are in the past. But being conformed to the image of his Son, that is the right now of our salvation, the ongoing process of our sanctification, our present tense salvation. We are being right now conformed to the image of His Son. And dear ones, the process of sanctification occurs in everyday life, in our real life. And it is a lifelong process. We keep being sanctified and we keep persevering in the faith until the very end of our days. At every stage of life, we come to new difficulties and challenges, and God wants us to conquer at every stage of our life. The trials of a young woman at six are different from what they are at 16, and 16 is different from 26 or 46 or 66 or 86. Every age of our life, every time of our life has its own challenges and difficulties and opportunities. And Christian woman, at every stage in your life, God wants you to find Christ sufficient to deliver you from the present difficulties and the responsibilities that you face. And I suggest that it is this aspect of salvation that Paul was referring to here in 1 Timothy 2.15 when he says, Yet she will be saved through childbearing. The woman was deceived and she transgressed in verse 14. And as a result, this distinctive woman-only activity, the bearing of children, was cursed. Genesis 3.16 tells us, To the woman... To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing, and in pain you will bring forth children. But in the grace of Christ, this function of being a woman that was made hard and difficult and painful is transformed into something that rather than cursing you, is a blessing to you and something that God uses as a means to save you and to sanctify you. 
Let me make a few observations about this verse. First of all, I suggest that the term childbearing should be understood as more than just the act of giving birth to a child. Please look with me uh, over to chapter 5 and verse 14, which is the only other place in the New New Testament where this word childbearing appears. And I think we will see here a fuller picture in this verse of what Paul has in mind when he says childbearing in chapter 2 and verse 15. Chapter 5 and verse 14 says this, So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. To marry and to have and raise children. And to manage her family and her home is a fuller statement of the abbreviated, the brief statement in 2.15 of just childbearing. But I would suggest that what Paul really means is not just the, the, the brief moment of bearing a child. But it is childbearing and child raising and all that is involved in family and in home. God will use the trials brought about in the home to make Christian mothers like Christ. This is the present tense of your salvation. She will be saved in childbearing in all of its fullness, marrying, having children, and a family, and a home. This is the general means used by God in the lives of Christian women to transform them into the image of Christ. A second consideration is this. Please consider that there is a parallel to 1 Timothy 2.15 later in this letter, which I think confirms this interpretation. Look at chapter 4 and verse 11. Speaking to Timothy, Paul says, Let no one despise you for your youth. But set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Note that love, that faith and love and purity are the same attributes that we see back in our verse in chapter 2, verse 15. And then in, in verse 16, we read this. Keep a close watch on yourselves and on the teaching. Persist in this. For by so doing, you will save both yourselves and your hearers. Paul says, mothers, do the work that has been given you in the providence of God by being a Christian mother with faith, love, and holiness. Paul says, Timothy, do the work that has been given to you in the providence of God by being a Christian pastor with faith and love and holiness. If you persevere in these things, mothers, you will be saved. Timothy, you will save yourself and your hearers. I suggest that the doctrine that is being taught in both of these places in 1 Timothy is the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints and of their sanctification. Paul is not somehow confused about the doctrine of salvation when he is talking to these mothers and to Timothy. He is not teaching salvation by works. In 2 Timothy 3.15, Paul says to, says to Timothy, And how from childhood you, Timothy, have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 
Paul and Timothy know that salvation is by grace alone and through faith alone. But the scriptures are also clear that every person that God brings to faith in Christ, he keeps through a continuing faith in Christ safely all the way to glory. True Christians persevere and continue into faith. True Christians are sanctified and preserved. And the statement in chapter 2, verse 15, is a specific application of the larger principle of perseverance that applies to all Christians. Once a person is brought within the realm of saving grace, that person will never be separated from that grace. Peter says it this way, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Or John says it this way in John chapter 10, verses 27 and 28, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Note that while these two statements say being guarded by the power of God for the last time and they will never perish, they also say that this, that this being saved and this not perishing is through faith and my sheep follow me. Guarded and protected, but not apart from believing and following. Kept through believing and following and if you are a saved person you are believing and following and you're not doing those and if you're not doing those things you need to go to Christ and ask him to save you because you are not a Christian person if you're not believing in Christ and not following after Christ God's saving comes to light through my continued believing. And if my faith is real, it will be an obedient faith. For Timothy, it is faithfulness in ministry. For mothers in Christ's church, it is faithfulness to her family and to her home. Paul says to Timothy, if you do these things, you will save yourself and others. Mothers, I suggest that this same principle applies to you. If you do these things that are given to you, you will save yourself and others. And what an incredible place you have in the church and for the gospel. Now, third observation I want to make is note that this verse is a verse of possibilities. It is possible for a woman to continue in faith, love, and holiness. It is possible for her not to do so. Otherwise, there is no need for the word if in our verse. The word translated continue means to remain or abide, to not depart from something. It is possible for a woman to fail to remain in faith and love. If she remains, she will be saved. Why this kind of language? And why this kind of concern? Why this if? Well, look with me back to chapter 5. We read just a moment ago, verse 5. 14, I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion to slander. But look at what verse 15 says. For some have already strayed after Satan. Why would Paul be worried about this? Why would he talk to 
to Timothy about this because it has been the experience of the church there that some have actually strayed away and followed Satan. And so Paul wants women in the community of Christ's church to take seriously the opportunities and challenges that they have as mothers because it is here that your faith will be tried and tested and there is real danger in the challenges of motherhood. Have you ever wanted to throw up your hands and quit, mothers? Will you follow Christ or not? And let me encourage you, dear mother, you will be saved if you continue. Christ will be with you. He is able to come to your aid in the time of need. Also note with me the change from see to they in verse 15. It reads like this. She will be saved if they continue. Why this change? At first glance, it seems inconsistent or unexpected. Is there some kind of disconnect here? Well, I think the answer is this. The first part refers to womankind in general, and then the principle is, is applied in particular to every individual woman. Let me say it in this way. In general, women are sanctified through the bearing and raising of children. But, but most, for most, but not every woman, this is true, because most women do become mothers. But for every woman, single women, married women with no children, married women with children, for every woman without exception, you will be saved if you continue in faith and in love and in holiness. And does this principle not only apply to every man as well? I think that it certainly does. Childbearing does not save apart from faith. Every woman must live by faith just as every man must live by faith. And so how do you overcome the difficulties and the demands brought on by childbearing? Mothers, let me ask you, are there difficulties and trials in childbearing? I know that there are. How is it for you, Christian mother? What is life like day after day and hour after hour? Is it ever hard and frustrating and discouraging all of the difficulties brought on by childbearing and child-rearing and everything connected with your children and your husband and your home are to be taken on by faith. By faith. By faith. The substance of sanctification is not doing right. Sanctification is based on believing right. Justification does not come by doing. And dear mother, sanctification does not come by doing either. They both come by believing. Our salvation was a matter of faith, and our present salvation is a matter of faith as well. Is that not exactly what our text says when it says, if they continue in faith? When we believe right, it will lead us into doing right. Is that not a true principle? When we believe right, we will do right. 
And so the first and the most crucial matter for a woman who is being saved through childbearing is to be a woman of faith. This was the secret of Sarah, Abraham's wife. It is to trust in God. Let me ask you, mothers, do you trust that where you are in your life is where you should be? Do you trust the Lord with your circumstances? Do you trust him with your children? Do you trust him with your husband? Do you trust him with every difficulty? And do you take every difficulty to Christ? What are your present difficulties? Can you bring them to God? How do you overcome the things that you face? Will you do it in the first place by believing? Let me ask you, is it a bad thing to have your faith tested and tried? Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7. He says that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through, although it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We never really understand our own faith until we come into situations that challenge our fortitude and our faith and our trust and our humility and our patience. How can you know if your faith is genuine if it's never been tested? Peter says that a tested and proven faith is a precious thing and it will result in great blessing at the last day. And mothers... If you're seeking to be faithful to Christ as you take up your calling to be a mother, you have a faith that has been tried and is being tried. And I hope you know that it is a precious thing that God has given you. It should give you great confidence, a tested faith. Our verse also says that you are to continue in love and holiness. It says, if they continue in faith and love and holiness at the end of the verse. Please look with me at Titus chapter 2 and verses 2 through 5. Titus chapter 2 verse 2. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. In these verses, the older women have a very important task in Christ's church. The mothers who no longer have children in the the home are to be an example. But note specifically that they are to teach and to train. Who is to teach? It is the older women. Why are they to teach? Because the basis of their teaching is their life experience. The older women have faced all the challenges of motherhood, and now they are on the other side. And whether you were a model mother or whether you stumbled all along the way, 
You have something that can help the young mothers be saved through their present childbearing and their present raising of their children. This is one important way of continuing in love, if you are a Christian mother, to engage with the younger mothers for their good and for their sanctification. Let me ask you, mothers, do you just automatically know how to love your, your husband and your children? Before you answer, think about it. I would suggest that we don't just know how to love our husbands and our children. We must be taught and trained by experienced women who have walked the path before us. And let me interject here, men, that we need this same principle equally, if not more. We don't know how to love our wives and our children as we ought. But older men that have been down the path can help us and help sanctify us uh, in this godly duty. So God has blessed you, younger, you young, younger women, by giving you a great source of encouragement and help in your life as a mother. This is yet another blessing of being in Christ's church. We all help one another as we seek to follow Christ. One last observation from our verse. At the very end of the verse, it says, with self-control. The New American Standard says, self-restraint. The King James Version says, with sobriety. The root behind this word is actually the word saved and the word mind. It is to have a saved mind, a sound mind. It is to have right thinking. This saved mind is to govern your faith and your love and your holiness. How are you going to have a right mind about these things? Well, I would suggest that we have it from the scriptures and from the godly mothers that are around us in Christ's church. Mothers, God has connected your life with something that brings salvation. Your personal salvation through faithfulness to Christ in all the challenges and opportunities that go with the bearing of children. And the salvation of your husband and your children are connected to you. The salvation of your sisters in Christ is connected to you. And mothers, let me encourage you in this way. In the generation of violence and ungodliness in which Enoch was born, we talked about that just a few weeks ago from Hebrews chapter 11. In the generation of total immorality and unbelief into which Noah was born. In the generation of slavery and oppression, Moses was born. And what does this teach us? It shows us the tremendous possibility that accompanies the birth of every child. Possibilities for every generation, including our generation and including your child. In the darkest time of the period of the judges, Samuel was born. Josiah and Jeremiah were born during the reign of that most wicked of kings, Manasseh. Jesus was born under the terrible persecution and oppression of Herod. 
in the dark contest, in the dark, dark context of human experience. Here is God through the birth of children raising up deliverers. And who knows if in, the, if in God's saving purposes there may be in this congregation a mother who is raising up a child destined to show forth the glories of Christ and do great things for the gospel. Who knows what God may do. Dear mother, salvation may come into this world in ways that you can never imagine through childbearing if you continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. As a general rule, God is pleased to conform women to uh, conform womankind to the image of his dear son through motherhood. And God has taken what appeared at the dawn of human history to be a, to be a cursed thing, childbearing. And through the gospel and the grace of Christ has made it into something that saves you and sanctifies you and makes you like the Lord Jesus Christ. May God give you mothers and all of us, single women, married women with no children, men and children included. May God give all of us grace to continue in whatever life God has given us in his providence. May God help us to continue in faith and love and holiness and with a saved mind. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.